We get into our wellness corner, talking how infertility can impact emotional wellness. Dr. Anet Sumbisfo, medical doctor, entrepreneur and yoga teacher, joins us. So a bit of background is that yesterday we commemorated World Infertility Awareness Month and acknowledged that infertility is affecting a growing number of couples around the world. We had an introductory discussion unpacking what infertility is, how it affects the physical body and the reproductive journey in conceiving a child. So today we discuss how this medical condition causes emotional stress to an individual, which will impact the relationship then also, and how societies may stigmatize couples who struggle with this issue. Dr. Bisvo, how are you doing today? So good. How are you? I'm great. Thank you so much for joining us. Yes, it's lovely. It's lovely to be chatting to you this morning. Awesome. Okay, so let's go straight into it then. Because uh, infertility will affect the individual and their emotional stress, it will definitely impact their relationship then. So in what ways does it impact relationships? You know, one of the main things that we see um, with infertility, both when we're talking about infertility for women and infertility for men, is that there is a large amount of stigma related to this issue. You know, so often when we look at um, the different stages of life, the different milestones that we're supposed to tick off at different stages in our lives, child rearing and child bearing very much fall into what is considered to be uh, the normal progression in a couple's life, in an individual's life, it's, it's a very big part of adulthood. And what we start to see when we have couples who can't conceive or when we have individuals that cannot conceive, that society tends to have a very unkind view on these individuals and couples because they seem not to be able to fulfill this um, or achieve this essential milestone that, that is considered essential when it comes to being human. And so what you often end up seeing, especially in relationships, is more the immediate family as well as friendship groups, often without knowing, but sometimes knowingly, Mm. really performing stigma or or attaching stigma to the couple. Um, Often from a woman's perspective, you'll see family members um, essentially shaming you know, the woman for not being able to childbear. Uh, as women, historically, that's kind of been seen as a role that, that you know, we're supposed to take on in the household is that of bearing and raising children. And so often what you see from one's in-laws is that you're seen to be inadequate, you're seen to be broken, um, you're seen to be sometimes unhealthy or, you know, um, for, in African culture, sometimes the, the issue of being cursed can mm. come up. And that usually leads the individual to feel like they are inadequate. It leads to low self-esteem, depression, anxiety, which of course can exacerbate the infertility even more. And what this starts to do, especially on a couple, usually before um, you know, a diagnosis is made on, on exactly who in the relationship has the infertility issue, that usually leads to both partners blaming one another for the infertility, it leads to fracturing in in the relationship mm. and just general anxiety and dis-ease within that relationship, starting off with, with the couple themselves, but then also extending into their immediate family and their peer groups. 
And we're talking a focus on more heterosexual relationships, because I guess if we look and delve deeper into other types of relationships, the dynamics and, Mm. you know, talking points will be quite different. And that's a a conversation for another day. But in this heterosexual uh, type of relationship, then uh, with the stress of infertility, how does it impact the sex life of the couple? This is such an important point, you know, Sunday, and I think we've, in our previous discussions, our most recent ones, we were talking about the divine feminine and this aspect Mm. of each and every individual that has to do with us being able to have a healthy relationship with pleasure, with sex, and with having an intimate relationship with, with one's partner. And so what we often see with infertility is there's the first year where the couple is still in the gray zone, where they'll go to the doctor and say, look, you know, we've been, we've been trying to, to conceive, but really struggling. And the doctor will often say, okay, let's give it a year of unprotected intercourse for us to be able to tell whether you, you truly have an issue. Mm. And that first year is usually really tumultuous where, uh, you know, with infertility, we often consider it to be a form of grief that the couple and the individual will experience. It's, it's almost that loss of the ability to conceive naturally, the loss of that idea or that picture that I think a lot of us have in our, in our lives of, you know, mm. raising a family and, and, and um, having children. And so what ends up happening in that first year is almost this recurrent grief where every month, every time the ovulation cycle comes around, there's this hope that maybe this is going to be the magical time, this is going to be the special time. And if the couple isn't fertile, those hopes are dashed. And what that eventually ends up creating is a lot of pressure in the bedroom. Instead of sex being an intimate experience for couples to connect with one another, to experience pleasure, instead it becomes a chore with an end goal. Mm. Uh, It ends up becoming an emotional situation which is interlinked with grief with with performance issues, with anxiety. And so that can really lead to the couple not being able to connect on an intimate and physical level, which of course causes emotional disconnect, emotional distancing in the relationship, and just generally makes physical intimacy a, a, a stickler or, or a point of pain instead of a point of pleasure as it's supposed to be. We mentioned family earlier in terms of how they now get involved in this uh, situation. Well, in in certain instances, I guess the couple might not even have communicated, but uh, people watching a married couple, for example, and maybe their relationship or marriage has gone on three years, four years, and there's no child, they make their own assumptions. But when the couple then decides to tell other people, is that something that you would advise that they should do? Yes, definitely. I think with, with, with issues like this, transparency is almost key. Um, and I'm sure anybody who's, who's in a committed relationship or, or who's married is used to immediate family already beginning to ask about, okay, you know, when are the, when are the grandkids coming? When, mm. when can we expect to see that? And so what you will often find is that the immediate family, predominantly the parents of the couple, will have an expectation that that is going to be the next step in the couple's relationship journey. And if this infertility or the, the issue of infertility is kept a secret and kept behind closed doors, what the couple will often experience is almost recurrent, I don't want to call them microaggressions because it's very much macro 
um, for the for the couple. But these instances of pain where family members unknowingly um, push the, the concept of child raising, of childbearing to an infertile couple, which just causes more and more trauma. And so I think it's really important to be able to have these open discussions with family about this issue. But of course, it's also about informing family while you do so. And I think that's why it's useful to have a conversation with the health professional to get some information or to find out the, the correct mechanism in order to break that news to your family. You know, often with, uh, with stigma, we see people placing blame on whoever it is that has the condition um, instead of realizing that this is a medical condition, just as, you know, we have to deal with hearing that family members have certain conditions, so too should we have that same viewpoint that we do of other medical illnesses with, with infertility. And so what usually ends up happening is a couple will disclose the issue of the infertility to family or family will deduce it for themselves. Mm -hmm. And because there isn't enough information that goes along with the packaging of that news, family members then react in a traumatizing way, react with placing blame. Um, you might see one half of the family, say the male's part of the family, then saying, oh, you need to get a divorce. You're not going to have any children. You know, the woman's not able to fulfill her function as, as, as the wife or, or as the, the female partner in this relationship and vice versa. You know, male infertility is also a huge issue that we see where there's huge um, stigma around male inadequacy, around around um, infertile men not being masculine. Mm. And so, it, it, yes, I think it, it's important to encourage openness and, and transparency in conversation, but also while packaging that with information um, w because of that understanding that often these conversations are met with stigma. So, I mean, as, as we said, I mean, the women tends to take the blame in a lot of these situations, especially in our African cu culture, uh, because it's something that she's seen to be, you know, uh, responsible for more than the men for some reason. How do we change this negative stereotype and stigma? Oh, that's a difficult one. You know, I think there's a lot of work to do just in general when we talk about gender-related issues, especially those pertaining to women. Um, and I think that's that's kind of where intersectionality and, and really bringing all of these issues when we talk about empowering women, bringing these issues onto the table. So I think one of the main things here is about defining what it means to be a woman in our society. You know, mm. historically, being a woman was all about raising children, bearing children. And that was kind of seen as the responsibility of the woman in the household. And that's beginning to change, you know, with, with the, um, the women's rights movement. We're starting to see more women being empowered to enter the workplace. But I think along with those conversations, we also need to have conversations about the fact that infertility is rising um, in women and in our society. And talking about how we can support women who are infertile to still feel that they are feminine, that they mm -hmm. are womanly even though they aren't able to conceive and so i think it's, it's going to take a lot of awareness a lot of informing people about infertility and a lot of advocacy for infertile women in having conversations around this issue in order for women to not feel that pressure um, of of having to conceive in order to be seen as valuable in society and families
the effects that infertility will have on the finances of the couple then, because it might be uh, unavoidable. Uh, how do they deal with this? So this is a huge topic that I think a lot of people tend to uh, forget about when we talk about infertility. Um, a lot of people tend to think about, you know, raising children in the romantic way of, you know, it, it, it gives you a nice, warm, cuddly feeling. But economically, especially in, in, in the African context, uh, raising children and, and specifically a large amount of children was specifically to try to achieve economic gain or economic success um, and to take steps forward in that, where there was this understanding that if you had a generation who was struggling financially or economically, that while they might not be able to achieve dramatic results in terms of stepping forward, they can at least empower the next generation in order to do so. And the understanding there is that children will then feed that, that new income into the family and lead to generational, generational uh, wealth and generational growth and progress. And so what you see within fertile couples who, who aren't able to conceive, and this is where we're putting you know, um, adoption or, or fostering aside, what we see here is, is families or couples who do not have that next step in order to expand, in order to, to progress. And so what usually ends up happening is, especially as these couples age, we start to see an economic almost regression in their lives yeah. where instead of having the support of their children to progress for them to succeed as they grow older and aren't able to work for themselves, that essentially is lacking. So and that can then impact yeah. on, on, on their family and so forth and so forth. All right, so let's discuss a way forward then, solutions and ways that uh, a couple can uh, reduce strain and just what they can do uh, in terms of tools to build their couple uh, or couplehood or relationship to be stronger. But let's take a short break first, talking to Dr. Anesu Mbizvo, medical doctor, entrepreneur and yoga teacher. Asanda Beta on Sound Awake, Monday to Friday, 3 to 5 a.m. We wrap up our wellness corner discussing how infertility can impact emotional wellness with Dr. Anesu Mbisfo, medical doctor, entrepreneur, and yoga teacher. So, Dr. Mbisfo, let's talk then the tools that you would suggest for couples to implement in terms of how they can reduce relationship stress as a result of their struggles with infertility. Wonderful. So I think, Asanda, the main thing here when it comes to these individuals within this relationship is really to start to schedule in time in order to work on intimacy, on physical connection, apart from when trying to conceive. So this can be done in a, in a, diff, a manner of different ways. You know, um, for those who have the, the, the money to do so, there are intimacy coaches, intimacy workshops, or courses that can be done mm -hmm. that can help couples to reconnect physically and to develop intimacy. And that's one of the things, like we said, we see couples struggling with in their relationship. But even if you know you don't have the means in order to do that, there are a lot of resources online, such as fun activities that you can do at home as a couple, uh, conversations that you can have in order to, to reconnect and to recreate intimacy. And it's just about scheduling time in, in your routine, in order to connect in a way that is not connected to one's infertility. So I think that's one of the main things to do. The other thing here is around self-care. Mm. You know, so often we talk about what couples can do, but I'm a really big believer that, you know, a lot of work, especially emotional work, starts with the individual. 
So it's really about establishing what this issue of infertility is causing in terms of one's mental well-being. Is it causing anxiety, depression, low self-esteem? And then finding tools in, in, in order to combat those issues, such as breath work or meditation in order to lower one's stress. You can do um, a lot of divine feminine work, which is all around um, connecting to one's feminine, both for men and for, for, um, for women, connecting to one's divine feminine to, to recognize that we can be creative, that we can experience pleasure without being fertile, without being able to conceive. So that kind of work can be done. But also doing specific self-work and self-healing work around boosting one's self-confidence as well as around one reframing one's idea of oneself and one's life journey. So I think a lot of, uh, of individual work can be done as well. Mm-hmm. But then like we were saying, often these issues affect families and, and what usually causes pain and trauma to the couple and to the individual is more the external stigma that is placed on them. And so I think as societies, if we start to be mindful about the ways that we ask our friends or our families questions, especially within they're in relationships, perhaps thinking twice about that age-old question of when can we accept kids soon or are you guys trying to have kids, reframing those conversations to be more open-ended so that couples have the space in order to disclose the fact that they are infertile. And then for both the couple, the individual, and for our societies as a whole, to really view infertility as a physical health condition, mm. not a failure, not a curse, nothing that has to do with the, the self-worth or value of the individual, but like we see lots of other physical conditions or illnesses, to also see infertility in that light as a condition that needs care, that needs kindness, that needs compassion, and just reframing our mindset of what infertility means the fact that this doesn't mean that either of these individuals is less worthy in any way mm. in our society. And I think it's by those small steps, as well as the bigger systemic changes where we start to see, you know, we talk about um, advocacy when it comes to women's rights, um, advocacy when it comes to speaking about sexual health and our sexual rights as well. So I think it's lots of small steps that eventually garner a movement that ends up changing the way that people view fertility, childbearing, child raising in our society. All right, let's leave it there for today. Thanks, uh, always great chatting to you, Doctor. Let's share your social media handles. Thank you so much, Sandra. It's always a pleasure. So if you'd like to connect to me, my um, Instagram handle is freedom, with an H um, between the O and the M there, underscore yoga, or you can reach me on my website, www.freedomyoga.org. And if you're interested in some yoga, meditation, or just healing and community, you can join my uh, wellness center and yoga studio, The Nest Space. So our Instagram handle there is The Nest Space ZA, and website is www.thenestspace.co.za. All right, great. Have a great Tuesday. You too. We've got a full moon coming up on Thursday, so I hope you're ready. Yes, I am. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. It's going to be a bit of a wild week. It always yeah. is. We've got full moons coming yeah, up. Yeah, so. absolutely. <laughs> Wishing you a good one. Thank you so much. The same for you, Dr. Anesum Bits, for medical doctor, entrepreneur, and yoga teacher.